We've got football coming up tonight. The NFL season kicks off with the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs playing host to the Houston Texans. Out on the diamond, it was a beautiful day for some baseball. And heading into 2020, many people thought there would be no high school football. Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. You're listening to WNCT 9 on your side, Sports Talk, with Sports Director Brian Bailey, Nolan Knight, and Kelsey O'Donnell. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the WNCT 9 Your Side Sports Talk for the final week of October. I'm Kelsey O'Donnell alongside Sports Director Brian Bailey, Nolan Knight. We've got a lot of to talk about today, guys. Um, for starters, we have our first COVID World Series champions. The Dodgers took it all home last night with their win over the Rays. Yeah, it was a great series and it had a lot of controversy in the last game. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, when you look at, at, at what happened uh, in, in that sixth inning, you're taking out a guy who had, had, you know, struck out nine, giving up only two hits, and then the reliever comes in and gives up, you know, two quick runs, and that was basically the ball game. Yep. And, and they were really. Twitter exploded twice last night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they kept exploding into the morning. Yeah, I mean it was it was crazy and then you know, you get uh you get Turner out there with uh the coat. I, I I don't understand any of it. I, I hate to even comment on it because I'm not sure what the specifics are, but mm-hmm. how do you pull a guy out in the middle of a game? You know, somebody somewhere messed that up big time. And then he's back on the field celebrating. Yeah, that after that part that part I read about that they said that he could go out on the field if he came right back and got a picture taken and came right back, and he was like, ah, I'm not coming back. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know who are listening, um, third baseman Justin Turner for the yeah. Dodgers was um, asked to leave during the seventh inning, I believe Seven, it was. About the eighth inning, I think. Um, eighth inning. Yeah. Eighth inning because he had a COVID test that came back positive. So I thought it was like, interesting. What, what was like like the drugstore staying up late to test the, yeah. the test? Right. They well, just get it back. Looking into this, they said that they do different type of tests. So they do spit tests, and they got it done on Monday. Sent it yeah. yes. Sent it out to Utah, and for some reason they were delayed. But why? I'm thinking to myself, why are you going to play a game when you don't know if these tests are all negative and you may have some positive? That Who made that decision? Sense. That doesn't make sense. They send it to Utah. Right. And then they find out at <laughs> during what, the middle of the game, 10 p.m. on <laughs> Tuesday night. It's almost like like when they got word that they it was so late in the game. It's like, okay, fellas, we just, you know, let's, everybody look the other way. We get through this game right. and we'll go from there. Because I think the way they ended up playing it out, it was just. Uh, it's still fascinating. And that's almost the headline more now more so than the, the actual, actual championship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting, too, that he was asked to leave the game, leave the dugout. You're supposed to self-isolate. And then right after the game, he's back on the field celebrating with the Dodgers, with the team without his mask, next to manager um, Dave Roberts, who 10 years ago was diagnosed Magic with cancer. Johnson as well, who is yeah. very publicly has uh, HIV AIDS. Yeah, I just I it blows my mind that you're gonna go out there. You already know you're positive. It's not like you don't know if you are. You're told you're positive. Go and self isolate. But I also understand the viewpoint. Like you are a player, you want to celebrate with your team. But at what point do you make the call and say I'm not going out there for the health and safety of my teammates and coaches? It's almost like a, like like a snapshot of the world we live in, right. where half the world thinks it's the world's coming to an end because of COVID nineteen, and half the world says party on mm-hmm. i mean there's there's no really there's no in between. middle ground yeah there's no in between and i think that's what we saw there i, I think that the guys and you know healthy athletes are, are less vulnerable obviously but but like you said if you got a manager who's getting up there in age and you, yeah. you hope you hope that nothing bad happens out of this but 
if, if nothing happens out of this, then you got more of the world saying, well, there you go. Right. You know, I mean, there's so many questions about the whole thing anyway, the whole COVID-19 deal and everything that it's just... And it takes just the attention so far away right. from the actual game mm-hmm. and, yeah. and the series, which ended up being so great and, and fun to watch and interesting to watch. Talking about the series some, I, I went back and watched watched the movie Moneyball. It's one of my favorite no. movies of all time. And, and this... World Series is, is almost the exact plot of, of the movie. Obviously, the Athletic A's popularized the the term and the style of, of going through analytics to to get value in players to, to win games. And the Rays have have had adopted that, and they've done that for a while now. And you see it play out almost exactly how it <laughs> lays out in the movie. Uh, to to give you an idea. The Los Angeles Dodgers are in the top three, one of the top three teams in terms of cap space and how much money they have in their players. Mm-hmm. The Rays are in the bottom three. And so it's almost, it's a hundred million dollar difference in, in yeah. money that's in the rosters between the two wow. teams. And the Dodgers come out on top. And to go back to the point of pulling uh, the pitcher in, in the sixth round, excuse what was his name? It's, um, I, I can't think at the moment. But he was dealing, and they take the pitcher out in the in the sixth inning last night or seventh inning because they analytically did not want him to face the start the top of the lineup for right. a third time, which is what they've done all season, and they got there doing it that way. But it gets you get down to the point where when do you go off of gut and when do you go off of experience? Instead of going off the numbers, the Rays yeah. decide to stick with their guns and with the numbers, and then they end up losing the game last night. And, and I, I find it so fascinating that they, they've made it that far playing that way, but when you're in the moment and it's this guy versus this guy, mm-hmm. I think I think you got to ditch the numbers and go back to old-time evaluating players and putting the best players out on the field. But Blake Snell, he had such a great start, and... Uh, the top three Dodger hitters, I think, were 0 for 6 against him yep. so far in the game with six strikeouts. Mm-hmm. He had struck out nine. He had just given up his second hit when he was pulled. But I did hear someone on radio today kind of defending the move, saying that, that you know, all season long, that the, the first time a batter uh, faced Snell in a game that like they hit like 105 or something really low. The second time it got to be you know close to 300, and the third time it was right at 300. So the more you saw him, you know, the better they, they ended up being. But it's just hard to take a guy out who was just absolutely dominant. And you know, I don't know. It, it was it was that was a head scratcher, and then the whole Turner stuff was a head scratcher. Oh, yeah. So. It was a wild night last night. So Dodgers took the World Series in Game Six. Last night's final score, if you did not follow, um, was three to one. If this went into Game Seven, do you think they would have postponed a World Series game? Because obviously, all of this coming out with Turner, there would be ties with contact tracing. People will be out for two yeah, weeks. Yeah, that's that's a, that's I hadn't a great, thought about that. I hadn't thought about it either, but I don't know. It would I depend guess, how many it would and how, how many it would right. be. and how long do you postpone it for? And you're, so, I mean, you're so if the Rays come back and win that game, then we're at three three right. with Game Seven set for tonight, and but then you, you get all this stuff. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's another fascinating aspect of this whole thing. Yeah, interesting so. to think about. But how successful this season was for the MLB. I talked about it on the final score this past Sunday. You know, coming into this season, and for the past five years or so, baseball has caught so much flack in terms of um, people thinking that they don't market their sport well enough that. It's a dying brand of, of sports. They come back during COVID and kind of face it 
face on and, and they have the games are one of the first leagues back and, and they really caught the attention of the media and fans um I paid more attention to the MLB this season than I ever have in my entire life and I have a lot of friends that also aren't huge baseball fans but because it was kind of the first sport mm-hmm. back they've caught so much flack over the years for not marketing well uh their stars well but I, I think that they turned that around they, they saw this as an opportunity they were in the conversation a lot and I I think all in all it was as successful as a season it could have been with everything that's going on. And I think you got to tip your hat off to the MLB. I agree. How about LA sports this year? We've got yeah. the Lakers, we've got the Dodgers. And that's only happened once in history, 1988, when the Dodgers won it, the Lakers won it. And that was the first time that uh, a Major League Baseball team and an NBA team won the championship in the same year. It happens again in 2020. <laughs> only in 2020 do you get stuff like yes, that. Yes, only in 2020. Okay, so switching gears if ever going to head um, to ECU. We obviously, it's the official station of the Pirates. We love to talk about the Pirates. Um, ECU will be playing Tulsa this Friday. Um, Tulsa coming in 2-1. and one. ECU obviously 1-3 and three on the season. I do want to pull up a quick soundbite from um, head coach Mike Houston on, I believe it was Monday's press conference, um, kind of previewing what um, they're facing this upcoming week with Tulsa. We're, we're facing one of the better teams, uh, if not uh, possibly the best team on our schedule. Uh, I think just a very solid team from top to bottom. Uh, they're strong in all three phases. Uh, most of the guys are the, the group that played against us last year. You know, it's a team that is made up of fourth and fifth year players that have been in the program for multiple years, uh, very experienced, very big, very athletic. Uh, good football team. So obviously ECU comes into this game. This is one of their five remaining games of the season. They've got a big matchup. Tulsa, I would think, is one of the most well-rounded teams that they have faced. Do you believe this is the best team they're going to face? No. I think Cincinnati is the best team they're going to face, but okay. I think Tulsa is very good. I think what's going to happen in this game, and I haven't made my official prediction that I usually do on the radio later on, but I really think that after last year's game, if you remember last year, at the end of the season, the Pirates were playing much better. Tulsa comes to town. We all thought, hey, the Pirates mm-hmm. going to win this game, finish up strong, and Tulsa came here and manhandled East Carolina. Yeah. So my prediction for, for Friday night, and this may not have come close at all, <laughs> but I think that Tulsa comes out a little flat, thinking they're going to just walk over East Carolina. Mike Houston said in his press conference, he's just, we have a much different team this year. We're not worried about what happened last year. We're a much mm-hmm. different team. He does worry about their size. Right. Uh, but I think that this Pirate football team, you know, they look at the Navy game as one that got away. I think they saw the film. I agree with They that. realized they were the better team. They were just playing left-handed without a quarterback, without some other players because of the COVID-19 fiasco that, that went on. And I think that they've got a little chip on their shoulder. And I've always said this Pirate football program is much better when they have a chip on their shoulder. And I think they've got one this week. I think that's true. Tulsa, obviously, they're big favorites in this one on Friday night. Right. It'll be strange watching late Friday night ECU play. <laughs> that, that's a whole other story. You, you wait till I give you your assignment for Friday. I want to make you stay, <laughs> give you till 3 a.m. <laughs> no, I, I, I decided I, you may stay with me, but I want to stay and. And we got we got to get you know of course as far as what we have to do we have to put together a story for the morning newscast for Saturday yep. and and the web stuff and you know the, the press conference in Tulsa via Zoom won't start until probably close to twelve thirty a.m. Oh goodness! Because it's a nine o'clock kickoff. <laughs> Talk about a three hours day. is only midnight. It may be one to one thirty a.m. It might be. Even They're not even scheduled that. to leave Tulsa, Oklahoma until after two a.m. Saturday morning. <laughs> Better get some sleep. 
Oh my goodness. 2 a.m. Tulsa time. That's 3 a.m. Right. Eastern. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're not even scheduled to get back into Greenville until. I think it does yeah. say a lot about Tulsa, though, now that they are one of the better teams in the conference. A few years ago, Tulsa was a, a gimme. I mean, they were not a good football program a few years ago, and they really have turned it around and, and look really good this year, which I think says a lot about the talent that they do have and they experience it because they've been able to turn things around so well in, in uh, Oklahoma. Right. They really should have beaten Oklahoma State in their opener. Oklahoma State was ranked 11th at the time, and it was a close game, but Tulsa lost that game. And then they beat a number 11 team in UCF uh, two weeks later, and then they came back and beat South Florida for their wins. But uh, it's the first time in their school history that they're 2-0 and in the American. But they've played a weird schedule because I think they opened on the 19th, and they didn't play again until October. Then they played th- you know, three yeah, weeks later. Yeah, they only played, what, three games? Yeah, played three games, and they've been spread out over like you know six, seven weeks. So they've had very little continuity as far as that goes. They played last Friday night, and now they're playing again this Friday night. So a few keys of the game Houston was talking about is um, they're definitely going to have to take care of the ball on offense. Um, Tulsa, Tulsa's defense, excuse me, has forced three turnovers last week against UCF. Um, USF. U- excuse right. me, yeah. USF, yes. Missed typo on there. Right. <laughs> um, but they're big and they're impressive. Um, but this is also what Houston was saying about their defense. Take a listen. I guess the name of the game every week, uh, and certainly, you know, We've seen just Tulsa's defense is really outstanding again this year. Uh, you know, the 16-7 to 7, uh, game against Oklahoma State in the opener, very impressive defensive performance there. Uh, and, of course, you know, wins in their last two games against uh, UCF and USF. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, we got to do a great job with ball security. We've got to do a great job with execution. Tulsa has got a lot of returners, and they have the experience. Do you think ECU will match up? equally if if Tulsa comes out flat I think East Carolina has a chance now if Tulsa comes out hitting on all cylinders mm-hmm. I think it'll be a very difficult game for East Carolina because the pirate defense is better it's much improved but they're still very very young and they've had to put everything from the Navy game away and play with new toys almost because this is a whole different right. offense back to the spread uh, trying to tackle people in space that kind of thing but uh, I, I think one of the keys has to be that Tulsa comes out a little flat takes East Carolina for granted uh, Holt Naylor's comes out hot. He had a really good practice, we heard, last Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think Tuesday when he got back at it, he had a really good practice again. So uh, I, I think that, that he's going to have a big game. And, and if you remember last year, this Pirate offense took three or four games to get cranked up. Yep. And hopefully they're going to crank it up this week. Talking about playing with a chip on your shoulder, you got to think Holt Naylor's has a huge, yeah. huge chip on chip. his shoulder. <laughs> wants to prove that he was able to play versus Navy and, and try to get East Carolina back on on track to, to talk about though the fact they have to put navy away and now focus on tulsa you know that bye week kind of came at a perfect time with yeah. the fact that holton had a sit, missed an entire week and, that, and then he was able to get an, an entire week back of practice to prepare for a tulsa team and, and like you mentioned tulsa has had so much space between a lot of their games whereas now they have their first short week even though it's not a short week so i i think the the star zone was kind of aligned for east carolina to, to be prepared to take on a really good Tulsa team but we could be saying entirely different things next week next Wednesday on on this same show if East Carolina comes out flat when they had so much time to prepare hopefully that doesn't happen and the Pirates are a 19 point underdog so the odds makers obviously don't think it's gonna be a close game so talking about the quarterbacks for ECU obviously we've got COVID-19 playing into the big picture with everyone across the board it's our whole topic of the year um 
Holton is back. Um, Mason Garcia, not completely out of the picture. Obviously, Holton is going to be their starter. This is what head coach Mike Houston said about Mason Garcia, about him really progressing through the season. Most of them have been with Holton for, you know, multiple years. And so, and of course, they, you know, during the pandemic, most of them were working out with him. And so they've got a lot of reps with him. Uh, you know, it's, you know, Mason is going to be a very good passing quarterback in time. Uh, it's just, you know, you can't, you can't substitute for the you know thousand plus reps that Holt Naylor's has had, uh, and you know that's just that that timing and that chemistry and all that stuff is just so important, uh, and it's so hard to uh, you know to, to to generate and develop. And I think that our group has a really solid uh, kind of deal with uh, with Holton because of all that experience there. So um, you know uh, they're going to they're going to gain that in time with Mason also uh, and with some of the other quarterbacks. But it's just you know, those guys are very young and, uh, and have only been here a very small amount of time. So Holton is back this week. I'm excited. I feel like we finally have got all the pieces put together. Again, ECU, like we mentioned earlier, coming off of bye week. Do you think they will carry the momentum from the Navy game into this Tulsa game? Obviously, the bye week kind of came at an unfortunate time when they were just starting to get going. But you do have Holton well, back. Unfortunate in that respect, but fortunate, as, as Nolan said, because mm-hmm. they had a chance to, you know, throw away the Navy toys and start working on the, the, the uh, Tulsa deal and uh, on defense. And, and I think with, with Holton's return, and I think, you know, like I said, if Tulsa comes out hitting on all cylinders, it'll be a tough, tough game. It'll be hard to keep up. And you can't turn the football over. If you give Tulsa, a, you know, a short field or two, they're going to take advantage of it and you're in trouble. But uh, I look for a big effort. I agree. All right, now turning to the ACC, UNC coming off a win at home against NC State, 48-21. to I know that was a big topic last week. 17-7 um, to at half, Heels came out the gates in the second half and really just ran away with the game. Yeah, and they're really talented. They're very, very good. In fact, if they hadn't stumbled down at Florida State, they'd be very much in the talk as far right. as the national you know, oh, yeah. playoff is concerned. Uh, that loss is going to probably kick them out of there unless you know they're able to run the table. They've got some big games coming up. Uh, and they could split those games and still have a great year. So North Carolina is loaded. Mac Brown's done a great job of you know turning that thing around with recruiting and and some of the coaching that they're getting right now. And uh, they really you know they put it to state in that second half. Their their defense could could use some work, but how about their offense and their running attack? Uh, uh, Rose Hill, Wallace Rose Hill running back Javante Williams has been awesome so far for them. I mean, he's looking – if he keeps up what he's doing, you might hear him in the Heisman conversation at the end of the season if his stats continue like they have been. I think he rushed for 163 three scores this wow. past week versus NC State. So that's a local guy that's producing for, for UNC. There's a lot of guys from Eastern North Carolina that produce for that UNC offense uh, and will produce in the future, but they are talented. They are fun to watch. Mac Brown is so easy to root for. He's he's hard not to like. He he really is. He's um, he's just he seems like he's having so much fun coaching uh, at UNC, which makes them an easy team to root for, even if you aren't the biggest Tar Heel fan in the state. Right, UNC was at highest point of the season, number five right now, sitting at number 15. They will play at UVA, who's one and four on the season. Um, actually, UVA just dropped a low-scoring game against Miami, 19-14 to 14, over the weekend. Yeah, it was in the rain down in Miami, and they, uh, the Cavaliers were supposed to be up there. They were supposed mm-hmm. to be really, really good, but they've had some uh, some struggles. They've had some COVID issues as well, and they've uh, 
they haven't really played as well as they can. They could provide some problems for North Carolina. Uh, throughout the years, they've, they've played pretty well against the Tar Heels, so we'll see how that one goes. Definitely better than what their record shows, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. They've had some issues with injuries as well, with quarterbacks going out during the game and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, a rivalry game, anything can happen. You know, the, uh, the battle for Tobacco Road, right? <laughs> Turning back to NC State real quick. Um, they're on a bye week. We'll prepare for number 12 Miami on November 6th. But what I want to talk about, they just added a home and home series with South Carolina. Um, so I think this is huge for the program. They'll be It will be played in 2030. I can't believe we're talking about that far away <laughs> in Columbia, South Carolina and 2031 in Raleigh. Yeah, and, and East Carolina is working on a series right now with South Carolina mm-hmm. because uh, they were supposed to play this year at South Carolina. East Carolina was, and that was a COVID casualty, but they're still working on trying to get that uh, those dates later on. So that's interesting that that came up. And that's how college football schedules are made. They're made years and years in advance. And that's why this COVID <laughs> thing is so weird because John Gilbert told me earlier this week that there's a, a possibility at least that East Carolina can still play Marshall in December. That they, oh, We may okay. add that game to really? East Carolina. So yeah, I was a little surprised too because I've kind of put that one to bed. Yeah. And Marshall's, Marshall's good. ranked. They're, they're really good. good. Yeah. So Marshall could come to Greenville to play East Carolina. I think uh, they might have just postponed their game. Did they? Did I read that wrong? Did they postponed the game this weekend? I think they lost the game. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Florida International, I think. Yeah. That's a Conference USA matchup. I think they did lose that game. All right, our other North Carolina ACC friend, Duke, um, their last game was back on the 17th against NC State. Blue Devils, not enough to overcome the pack when they lost 31-20 to in Raleigh. Similar to ECU, had a bye week this week. Um, they will play the Charlotte 49ers on Saturday. Yeah, non-conference game. and I, If I'm not mistaken, it's the first ever matchup between Duke and Charlotte. Charlotte trying to play some ACC schools, which right. is good for Charlotte. Okay. Um, Wake Forest coming off a win against number 19, then number 19, Virginia Tech. They have been recently dropped from the top 25 polls. Um, Demon Deacons played strong, uh, won 23-16 to at home uh, in Winston-Salem. Did you guys catch that game? I caught a little bit of it on the radio. I was traveling on Saturday. But. Big game for Wake Forest. I, I think it's impressive um, what the head coach has done over there. Uh at Wake Forest, they've become a team that can beat anybody on any given day. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't been the best team in the conference uh, since they won the ACC championship back in the 2000s, but they, they've always, or here recently under the new regime, ha- have become a team that can really take it to you uh, any week. There's a lot of talent on offense and defense, and Virginia Tech in that game just looked asleep, not ready, and, and Wake Forest took took advantage of it and got a big win, a much-needed win for Wake Forest if, if they're going to try to make a bowl game. I, I, I don't know if that's even in conversations for people this year with, with uh, COVID and stuff. <laughs> because every day you wake up and somebody else is canceling a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Mark, <laughs> did you see that Army is the first school to be bowl eligible and they only have one win? Yeah. They've already announced they're playing in a bowl game. So oh That's exciting, though. Yeah. Um, looking at the AP, AP Top 25 poll this week, obviously Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, one through three. Ohio State made the jump from number five. Cincinnati um, American Athletic Conference, the one that we keep an eye on, is up as high as number seven this week. That's impressive. And the big yes. question for Cincinnati is going to be, like UCF in years past, if they get up at around you know five or six, up to four, you know, will they be included in the the college football playoff? Probably not. And and I hate to say it like that, but that's just the reality that we live in right now. Unless some weird things happen, but Cincinnati could run the table and they could be right up there. Mm-hmm. So, number one, Clemson right now had a big win over the weekend against Syracuse. 40s put up a good bit of points, 47 to 21. What I want to talk about, um, today they were talking 
um, on the radio, on TV, Trevor Lawrence hinted that he may stay at Clemson another year um, rather than entering the draft and potentially being a first-round draft pick by the Jets. Yeah, if, if, if I was <laughs> in that situation, I think I would look around too. And, you know, this is this was such a weird year anyway that maybe, you know, you, the only problem is, is you risk injury. But there are insurance policies out there. I'm sure Trevor Lawrence may already have one, but mm-hmm. I'm sure he would get get involved with something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's something you got to look at. I feel like if he's vocal enough about not wanting to play for the Jets, they wouldn't draft him. You think back to Eli Manning. Remember, he did this with the Los Angeles Chargers when he yeah. was the projected first overall pick. Flat out said, I don't want to play for the Chargers. And sure enough, the Chargers went ahead and, and traded that pick away to the Giants, who obviously drafted them, and he played his whole career there. Um, also in the NCAA, Wisconsin's game this Saturday against Nebraska will not be played due to COVID-19. Um, it will not also be rescheduled either. Yeah, they had three quarterbacks test positives. They would three. have been down to oh their fourth-string quarterback. Too, right? <laughs> I think so, yeah. And they looked good in, in, in their first game, the Big Ten, back this, this past week. To be honest with you, I, I didn't miss it. I'm not the biggest Big Ten fan, but Wisconsin did look good in week one. It's fun each week, though. To, you know, you see Michigan and Ohio State and some of those games and those rivalry games later on. Uh, I like – now, the Pac-12, I wouldn't miss the Pac-12. I disagree because late night you, you get finished with everything and well, you can throw in the Pac-12 yeah. game. <laughs> All right, turning now to the NFL. Panthers coming off of a loss at New Orleans. Um, do you say New Orleans or New Orleans? This is a controversy in my Orleans. house. Yeah. All right. I guess we'll just have a it segment comes, each week of how to pronounce out New Orleans. Sometimes it comes out New Orleans. <laughs> Most time it comes out Saints. Yeah, Saints. Uh, they lost twenty-seven to twenty-four. Obviously, Panthers have an NFC South showdown on Thursday night. They will play the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and that's you know the Atlanta Falcons find a way to lose football games, <laughs> and they could write a book on it with their you know. I think it all started with the Super Bowl that uh, year. Yeah, it then, hasn't been the same since. You know. The Cowboys got one of their few wins over Atlanta when when Atlanta botched a uh, onside, onside kick. kick. Yeah, and then, but this past week, you know, Todd Gurley, who played right up the street at Tarboro, he busts through late. He gets to the goal line and realizes that hey, probably be smarter if I just fall down. But the ball broke the plane, so yep. he gets a touchdown. That gives Detroit the ball back. And he's been in that situation so many times and hasn't done that. Right. He has fallen at the right time when you know sometimes you don't even think I about think, it and he falls. I think what happened to him was he didn't expect to get to the goal line. I think yep. he was in his head. He was like, I just got to get a yard or two and get and not mm-hmm. go out of bounds and keep the clock running. And then when he got through, it's like, oh, I can score. And then it, and then it <laughs> yep. hit him. It's like. You know, the defense almost exciting. played him because there was two guys that were tackling him, and then all of a sudden they let go. Yeah. And, and it's like if you're holding someone's shirt and you let go of their shirt and they fall forward, that's kind of what happened. There you go. That was weird. So the last time these two teams saw each other was back on October 11th. Panthers took home the win 23-16. to Obviously, this was a stinging loss at home for the Falcons. Do you think they'll be playing with a chip on their shoulder? Obviously, it's in Bank of America Stadium this weekend. I think all the, Thursday, they, just don't, they just don't want to lead the game. I think they right. want to be trailing the whole time, maybe come back <laughs> themselves. But uh, I think it's a game, obviously, a very winnable game for the Panthers and Matt Rule and company. And, you know, in that division, you know, wins are hard. If the Panthers were in the NFC East, they'd have a three-game lead right now. So, right. I mean, you're looking at a very difficult division that they're in. Uh, and they need you know win as many as possible. And this is one if they want to stay in playoff contention. This is one they got to have. And they had a shot at, at overtime last week as right. well. Joey Sly six inches away from breaking the record for longest field goal to uh. tie the game with two minutes left. 
<laughs> hey, Nolan, your guy's back, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, is he? Um, he is. Could possibly Could play. be playing, yeah. but he's, he's back, def- back but at practice. He's back at practice some, but I don't think he, he practiced a whole lot. And last I read, very doubtful for Thursday. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do want to make one note. My Eagles will play your Cowboys oh. this weekend. You know, they're showing ads <laughs> for that on NBC, and they really should show like a pillow fight. <laughs> it really is. You know, it should, is the they should worst. Show, show Zeke hitting oh hitting his pillow against one of the Philadelphia defenders. and The and worst record. It's, it's a pretty big matchup in terms of playoff <laughs> it implications. Is. For, what, first well, place? Cowboys don't have a quarterback, <laughs> the so NFC. I don't know how big it is. It's uh, it's the old. Is it Andy Dalton this week, or are they going with the JMU guy? Well, the, uh, Dalton hasn't got out of uh, concussion protocol yet. Well, the JMU guy's so, Mike Houston's old player right. at ben, uh, James ben Madison. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Coach right, Houston we'll talked see. to him on uh, Monday morning Did he? after he got a chance to play on Sunday. Yeah. Well, I've got my Eagles mask. I'll be sporting all week and yeah. talk some smack. I can the... tell you, you can put that mask. <laughs> Okay. It's a, G, it's a G-rated show. <laughs> Turning back to Greenville. Eagles. Shh, we're going to move on now. Right. <laughs> when my Eagles win, we'll talk then. <laughs> um, turning back to Greenville, I want to talk ECU hoops real quick. Um, some preseason accolades. Jaden Gardner was unanimous, unanimously voted onto the preseason first team All-ACC, All-AAC excuse me, squad. Um, and LaShonda Monk for the women's team, um, also defensive player of the year last year, was named to the first team as well. First time I can remember in a long Long time that the Pirates have a you know a, a male and a female mm-hmm. on the first team. It's exciting. Uh, it is exciting, and, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come. I think Joe Dooley has some better parts around Jaden Gardner. Uh, Gardner may not have the stats that he had last year, but hopefully he won't need those stats, and and the team will be much much better. I think the, the Pirate men will be better, and the Pirate women. You know, Monk kind of stirs the the drink over there. I mean, she's she's really so quick, and and those steals. You know, they turn into easy baskets. Oh, yeah. And you know in basketball, the, if you get easy baskets, you got a chance to win some games. Mm-hmm. And, and she's she's lightning quick, and, and she, she's really, really good. So uh, congratulations to both of those uh, student-athletes at East Carolina. Both teams were picked ninth as far as the right, preseason poll was concerned. And, and that's kind of expected. I mean, you know, the good thing for the women, you don't have UConn to battle anymore. Yeah, so, that's true. So that's good for uh, on the women's side. And for the men, here lately, you kind of wanted UConn in the league. That's a possibility to win. They've fallen on uh, hard times. But I, I think the men I think the men and women both will finish higher than ninth. I, I was going to say the, the good thing about both of them not having many expectations is that they have um, so much potential, which is, which is good for a team that, you know, even if they lose a couple of games, no one was expecting them to win a couple of games. So once they get some momentum, there's so much talent uh, specifically on, on the men's basketball team, and they brought they bring everybody back. They, they only lose 2.5% of their production from a year yeah. ago. Wow. So they have so much talent. Uh, they brought in a, a great freshman guard. Um, and, and so there's some possibilities for East Carolina men's basketball to be really good. And with the, the longer that um, – the, the women kind of get their feet underneath of them with Monk running the point. Uh, they could be really good this year, too. Um, much more improved, I should say, from a year ago. And the crazy thing is we're still trying to figure out, you know, what the schedule's going to be. I know. I was just going to mention mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's nuts that they, 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 they have an idea of a schedule, but they don't have anything written in concrete. And the Pirate men are supposed to open in a tournament down in, uh, I think, Fort Myers. And they don't know what teams are going to be allowed to be there, and so it's mm. it's really. Do we have any timeline cool. of you? Oh, great one over there. You no, know everything. November twenty fifth <laughs> is supposed to be opening day, and that's when that tournament's okay. supposed to start. But uh, you, you just kind of hang on by the seat of your pants for this this schedule. 
All right. Um, that's pretty much all we had for today for the podcast. Did you guys have any other closing comments, remarks? I don't think so. Nice job leading the thing. We appreciate <laughs> everybody you. that had a chance to listen. And we hope we, we give you some interesting things to talk about, some interesting things to think about anyway. All right. Ditto. Go Pirates. <laughs> cool. For 90 Year Side Sports Talk, Brian Bailey, Nolan Knight, I'm Kelsey O'Donnell. Thanks so much for listening.